And so I think people who are just kind of pigeonholed in one are just a little limited on that. You, I mean, there is no interconnectedness yeah. um, that you can do. And so I do think it's strategic to at least have two platforms you're leveraging, even if you're changing those over time or, mm-hmm. you know, adding on. Um, I would say that that's kind of a strategic decision. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Should Be Fun podcast, where we believe marketing is something you get to do, not something you have to do. We hope you leave here encouraged, inspired, and a little more excited to share your gifts with the world. Well, hello and welcome back to Marketing Should Be Fun. Uh, My name is Austin Savage. I'm here with my good friend, Kelsey Zarko. Kelsey, how the heck are you today? I'm great. Having a good time. Yeah? (laughs) I feel like we have a case of the giggles before we started and now here we are. We're good. We're good. I am ready. I'm focused. Chill. No it's laughing. It's going to be awesome. From here on out. This is a very serious episode though. <laughs> yeah, <gonna> false. <laughs> How's your day going though? Anything exciting happen? Going pretty well. It's very noisy here. We're getting new neighbors soon. I live in a neighborhood where they're building around us. So yeah. it's very loud, but that means more friends. And everyone who's moved in so far has had little kids. So we're really excited to like plan a big neighborhood party and have block parties. And that is going to be fun. Yeah. Do you live on like a cul-de-sac? It's not a cul-de-sac, but... Okay kind of a similar type of the yeah. road just keeps going through. They're going to build it past our street. So the street Makes sense. carries on. It carries on. What coffee did you have this morning? I've had two cups of coffee. First I had some iced coffee from Starbucks nice. and then I had just a regular old cup of coffee. I am on cup four or five. So I do not know is... how you stand up straight. <laughs> I mean, I, I started at like five fifteen this morning. So there's like, you know, one cup, two cups, and then I actually did, I, I drank water for the rest of the morning after that. So maybe this is cup three. I can't, I don't okay. know. Okay. What do you think is the most cups of coffee you've drank in a day? Eight, probably. Oh my word. We have a client who would not want to hear you this say is that true. if they were listening. <laughs> but I, it's actually the worst is around holidays because my, like my dad, my brother-in-law, both my brother brothers-in-law, uh, and me like all love coffee. And so mm. we'll just like, every time the pot is empty, we just, just create and, like it. make a new one. And so we'll yeah. just sit in the kitchen and just like talk and drink coffee for hours. So it kind of, it's, it's hard to tell, you know? Oh man, that's impressive. I don't think I've ever had more than like three. I just oh, drink gosh. it slowly all day long. That's I would die. And then I hit 8 PM and I need another one. Cause it's just like, I just need that. It like calms me down rather than like gets me excited, yeah. you know? I can't wait to see if, as you get older, if that changes. Because that changes, just changed my life me. is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> no, then you'll sleep well. <laughs> just like two years ago, I started to notice like, oh, I can't drink as much caffeine at night. And now I sound like an old lady. So let's get to our mm-hmm. episode. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, today we want to talk about uh, interconnected content. That's a phrase that we use a lot around here. Um, and we've talked about it a few times. I made a video for it uh, like on our my, my YouTube channel. And I know we posted a reel about it a, a while mm-hmm. back. Um, but before we get into that, per usual, we got to do a nice little this or that yes. uh, to start off the show. And so this time it is my turn. And I definitely did not forget before <laughs> we started, but I remembered now. So... I saw yesterday that you were watching football uh, Mm. with maybe your family. I would assume it's with your family. Maybe it was just by yourself. I don't know. It actually was just by myself. Shoot. You can believe it or not. Only because it was a big like 
playoff game and it was like down to the wire. My kids were watching too, but Matt was gone and I still had it on. So I felt like that gave me some like football props. I'm going to be honest. See, like I didn't even know that that was going on. So that is the life that I live. This is the sheltered little uh, sports life I live. So, (laughs) okay. But here's the question. And this is really more of a question for you than for uh, me, but okay. You just moved like a couple years ago from Illinois to Texas. Mm -hmm. So Texas sports teams or Illinois sports teams? Oh, man. Well, we have to have some disclaimers. I cannot answer it straight out because it doesn't have cut and dried answer. Mostly, <laughs> mostly Texas football, football or mostly Texas sports teams. But okay, my I married into a huge hockey family. Yes. I knew nothing about hockey when I got married or when we started dating, I guess one of our first dates was to go to a hockey game with his whole family. So that was an experience. Wow. I know. But we're huge Chicago Blackhawks fans and will be okay. no matter where we live forever and ever. We yes. did get to go to a Dallas Stars game since we've moved here. So we would cheer for them second if we had yeah. to. Um, but other than that, I would say we've pretty much switched over to Texas sports. I can't talk for Matt, but for myself, I have this kind of goes along with what we do for a living too, but I've never chosen sports teams based on the location. It's always been like my connection to them or okay. if I love their their vibe or their feel and just randomly through different like um places of business that I've had a chance to be in. I've gotten to know a lot of football wives. Yeah. So I like follow where they go and we'll cheer for them because oh. like I know their family. So there's a little bit of like relationship and trust building there. Yeah. Which is why I cheer for the Cowboys now. So oh so you yeah. know some of them that like okay. Yes. Are which is really Cowboys. fun. And okay. the Cowboys is just such a fun football team because this yeah. is Texas and this is football. So you know everybody <laughs> has to cheer for the boys. Yes. That's fun. Well, I definitely don't cheer for Texas sports teams uh, because I know nothing about any of them. And apparently <laughs> the uh, it was the Astros, right? Who uh, like were accused for cheating. Oh, the cheating. A while, yeah. A while yeah. Back. That's Houston. Though. We live in Dallas. That's a whole different ball. No, it's literally. The same state. <laughs> <laughs> no, Houston versus Dallas is like a huge. Is rivalry. it really? Yeah. yeah. But Do you the, cheer the, for the, any sports teams? Okay. Okay. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just curious. (laughs) Yes. When I was a kid, I actually used to be super into sports and I would love football. Well, basketball is always my favorite sport, Um, but Mm -hmm. I like to play like, you know, football video games and like uh, baseball video games, that kind of stuff. And I did play baseball from like second grade through seventh grade. So I played for a little while. That's fun. Um, But I was always a White Sox fan growing up. And I think that the biggest change I've ever had was when I moved to Chicago for school and figured out that like part of it is just because the White Sox were good. They weren't and then, very, yeah, yeah, they weren't, they weren't very good, good for a long time there. <laughs> and so nobody in Chicago cared about the White Sox. And so then I kind of switched and started rooting for the Cubs because it was just more fun because yes. there was actually like a culture around it. Yeah, their stadium their culture. Is, was closer to where yeah. I was living. And so that was a big thing. I feel like that's the only like, switch I've made, but yeah, I totally agree. The Cubs have a really cool culture, even if they're not always good, but it was cool. I was in, I don't think I have, I told, told this story, uh, on the podcast, please tell me if I have, um, but I was in Chicago when they won the world series and it was so that's awesome. You could hear like across the city. So we were like in our dorm room, we had our like windows open and stuff and you could hear, it was like from the stadium, like coming across the city, you could just hear like people like shouting and getting excited. And we went out and we're like just high-fiving random people on the street. And it was so fun. That's so fun. 
Oh yes. my goodness. I was in, okay, this is going to date me, but I was in college when Obama first got elected Yeah, and everybody just kind of went nuts because I went to school in Chicago. So yes. there was definitely like that same experience of just like the whole world comes out into That's the pretty cool. <laughs> Whether you like voted for that person or not, it was just like a big moment in history. And so it's kind of fun. Chicago That's knows really how to party, cool. I guess. All right. Well, there is our this or that uh, for today's episode. Kind of fun. <laughs> that was a fun one. That was good. So now I feel like this is always just that nice, you know, not awkward transition at all, but we're going to start talking about marketing. Um, But like I mentioned, we want to talk about interconnected content and uh, kind of the, I guess, idea behind this is we've had multiple clients uh, who like when we're talking to them uh, up front, we'll use that phrase. We're like, we want to help you kind of like uh, create content that is interconnected, that talks to one another, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of creates this like web of interactions that people can have with your brand. And I think in that initial conversation, like sometimes people will be like, "Oh yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want that." And then you know, it's not until like six or eight months down the line, I feel like, especially last year, we saw there were probably two or three people who came to us and were like, "I finally am starting to understand." what you guys Mm. said that you were going to do. And like, it's really cool to see it in action. And we just had another discovery call recently um, where, you know, that was like something specifically that uh, the person we were talking to was very, very curious about. She was like, I like, I want to see what that means. Like, what does Mm -hmm. it actually look like for my emails to talk to my blog, to talk to my social and so on um, and so forth. Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite things that we get to do for people because instead of feeling like all your efforts are going in all these different directions, it brings it all around. So you're going in one direction Mm -hmm. and it just makes sense. And I think it makes it easier in some ways for clients too, because you just have an aligned focus and it doesn't feel like your energy is being spread all over the place. Yeah. I think it's a common problem we see too is brands whether it's a person or like a big brand, like doesn't really matter, but brands not connecting content. Mm -hmm. Like I think we see a lot of times people treat their, like their email is one channel and then their blog is a separate channel and their podcast is a separate channel and their social media is a separate channel. And they just kind of like, they have to create special content. Basically they feel like for each of those platforms, one, it makes it really hard to stay consistent uh, with that content, but too, it just like it gets overwhelming um, mm-hmm. for you in trying to run the business and create enough content that you end up just letting some of those things go rather than making it all work together towards one goal rather than four different goals. Yeah. I feel like in in your in our talks with clients sometimes too, you use the words like letting um what's the words you use when you talk about like oh, no. value instead of just specifically like numbers of content work in your favor. Yeah. Can't think of the phrase now, but letting quality your... and quantity work together. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like even letting quality, I think you I even like, say which like, which phrase are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I know on the spot quick. I think you even say letting quality of content work in your favor instead mm-hmm. of just feeling like you're having to like churn it out just to check a box on like, I got a blog post. I got a social yeah. post. No, it should all flow together and work in your favor to that point. Totally. Totally. So if you had to define it, Kelsey, or just like break it down a little bit, what does it look like to have an interconnected content strategy? Yeah. I'm glad you asked this because I was going to say we should back up and kind of break it down for our listeners. Yeah. So 
I mean, you think about just your general content channels. They, these can look like so many things, but in in general, it's your blog, your email, your social channels, podcast, YouTube channel. What else yeah. would you throw in there? Oh gosh, I mean, that's the those are the majority. Those are then the it's main like, ones. Yeah. Then it gets into like videos or like you know different sure. kinds of like yeah delivery yeah. systems. But. So I would say how it looks, you know, in my my view is that those things are connected and working together. So you're featuring your mm-hmm. blog post on your social, or you're linking a recent social post that connected on your emails, or yeah. you're talking about, you know, you're directing people somewhere from your podcast so that mm-hmm. they're all connecting somehow. It's almost like a giant Venn diagram. Of course, they yeah. all function on their own in some ways, but then they totally. should always be overlapping at the same time. Yeah. Rather than consistently like just using each platform to try to get like sales, basically, like you're mm-hmm. just trying to like make these heavy hitting call to actions. Uh, instead, what you're basically doing is you're shifting to start providing more and more value to people. So, you know, if somebody's been following you on social media, you know, you can invite them to take just one, one like gentle step to uh, start getting your emails as well, because in there, you're going to share just some extra resources or encouragement uh, for them. And mm-hmm. if somebody signs up for your emails, that means that they are almost kind of duplicating the amount of quote unquote touches that they're getting with your yeah. brand as they're going to still see your content on social, but now they're going to get your content in their inbox. And if they're kind of you know interacting with those emails and you invite them to listen to your podcast, for example, if you have one, then all of a sudden, if they choose to take that step, you have now tripled the amount of touches they have with your brand because they are at least seeing your podcast episodes or listening to them. They are uh, interacting with your content in their inbox, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, or they are also uh, seeing your content still on social. And so from there, it just like keeps snowballing and keeps snowballing. Mm-hmm. And so then when you do make that heavy hitting ask to for them to buy your course, purchase your product, uh, you know, hire you for consulting, whatever it is, they are much more likely to say yes because they have had way more opportunities to actually build like real trust because you've given real value uh, to them. And it's really, really cool to see it in action. So did that make sense? <laughs> that was the best explanation. Yes, that was... Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm thinking I'm out of breath. I don't even think I breathed that whole I don't time. think you did. I was like, okay, new sentence. That's a run on. No, that was the perfect ex- explanation. And I think a benefit too, if you're a listener who just even has one of these platforms is you can take the strength of one and use it to build more and yeah. interconnect them that way too. I mean, I grew my whole email list personally off of my Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. So there's room to, they don't all have to be functioning at the same level, yeah. but they're so much more effective when you can connect them. Even if it's just like super simple, like if you just have social media and a blog, or if you just have emails you send out and social media, just every once in a while, just like just bounce them back and forth, right? Like not in a salesy way, just like, hey, this is what makes you know this other thing special. And I want you to be able to get that value and vice versa. Okay. So here's a question. We talked about what it looks like if we have those platforms functioning already and then we start to tie them together. Let's say our listener just has a social presence right now. Do you have a spot that you would recommend they start next, like the next platform to tie into their social? Like the next platform to start after mm-hmm. social, basically? Yeah. I suppose some of it depends on their industry and such, but just if you had to give them a general answer. It does. Uh, it, well, it does depend on... It's like... So 
we, I have a whole video on this on YouTube and maybe I'll link it. But anytime you add a new content channel, you have to think through two things. One is how are the people you want, you want to reach already engaging with content? And like, so where do you need to be? But then on the flip side, you have to think through how are you skilled as a person? Like what makes the most sense? Because, yeah. you know, for some people, like podcasting is the easiest way for, I think for even both of us to create content just because mm-hmm. like people can tell I can talk forever. So yeah, it's Same. like very easy. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas writing, I, I would actually say I'm a better writer, but it just takes me longer because I like to do it. So it like, yeah. is just something that is more involved. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's an answer to what the exact next platform to utilize should be. But I would say that from a strategic standpoint, I think that you should have at least two. Um, mm-hmm. Like for your brand, you know, like you you did this, Kelsey, like from way back, like you um, used to really focus on social and blog. Um, and you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even before we were working together would link those two things together. Um, and it just gives people options on how they want to connect with your brand. And so I think people who are just kind of pigeonholed in one are just a little limited on that. You, I mean, there is no interconnectedness yeah. um, that you can do. And so I do think it's strategic to at least have two platforms you're leveraging, even if you're changing those over time or mm-hmm. you know, adding on. Um, I would say that that's kind of a strategic decision. Yeah, that's really good advice. I would add too that if you don't have an email list yet, it's worth at least trying to start one simply yeah. because you own it then. I mean, right. social you've seen in the last how many years, just how many totally. changes have come where when you build an email list, those people, you can always reach them. You can find them. They can find you. And it gives you a pretty easy way to send anything else you have their way. Yeah. This is random and totally not related to what we're talking about. But like what you're saying, uh, I just saw a page I follow on Facebook that has like 17,000 followers or something. They're like closing their Facebook mm. because they just feel like for them, it has shown up as like pay to win basically of like, yeah, we'll post something only 200 people will see it. And it's just frustrating. We don't even want to like have it on the table. Mm-hmm. That is a bummer to me. I don't think we have seen that for our clients yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we have, I think our the largest page we manage is like around 40,000 followers on Facebook and they still get decent engagement um, yeah. as well. But just to kind of back up what you were saying, mm-hmm. like, that's true. Like, you know, they can change the rules anytime. Um, and really email and podcasting in some ways are some of the only, you know, not as influenced by algorithm, uh, delivery systems. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. That was a lot of big words in that sentence. Well, they They were were good words though. We can include a dictionary in the show notes. It's fine. I was going to say, like, yeah, we should like link to thesaurus.com <laughs> or something for. <laughs> oh, man. It was good. Okay. To bring everything kind of full circle and give you a place to walk away with an action step, mm-hmm. we just want to challenge you to take the next step for what feels right for you in yeah. this discussion. So, if you only have one platform that you're currently using, what could you take the next step on this year to kind of develop a new platform that you're showing up on? If you already have several platforms, maybe you relook at your strategy and think about how you can make them talk to each other. It's just some fun new ways to interconnect them and yeah. then live that out and see how your content changes and how your audience responds this year. It reminds me of the frequently asked questions episode we did. Mm-hmm. And when you brought up the that the amount of 
quote unquote touches with a brand it takes to make a sale. I mean, you had said that you saw a stat that was like, what was it? 50 touches yeah. with like a brand crazy. or something? Yes. It was in yeah. the double digit above 30. I remember that much. Yeah. And so it used to be like the rule of seven, which, you know, maybe still holds like weight in like meaningful kind of like yeah. interaction Con- with the brand or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why at the end of the day, this concept really does matter. Um, is because if it does take 50 touches for somebody, for the average person to make a decision, then you want to make sure that they are are interacting with your brand as much as possible. So whatever that next step is for you, um, moving in this direction is very, very valuable for your brand long-term. And we think you can do it. So We do. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, Kelsey, that was a fun little episode there. And uh, it's a fun one. Next time, we are talking about how to cancel out the guru talk. I can't uh, wait for that one. It's going to be a good one. So, well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you back here next time. Hey, thanks for listening in to today's episode of the Marketing Should Be Fun podcast. We share an episode every other week. So make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. We'd also love to connect with you on social. So come hang out on Instagram at savagecontent.co or sign up for email updates on our website. All right, friend, here's your reminder that marketing is something you get to do, not something you have to do. We'll see you next time.